Hey, what's up, all you beautiful souls out there? Happy Wednesday, my favorite day of the week for so many reasons, but Vibrant is the number one reason. Flow state, number two reason, but just because this is my thing, I guess. We got Joshua, we got Slick Dissident as usual. What up, gentlemen? Oh, I still got you boys muted. Uh, So yeah, I'm really stoked to be getting Josh on a podcast for the first time. I think well, we've talked many times on weaving spiders and flow states and things of that nature. But, you know, I'm here at least at the beginning before we start getting into the deep Aries Ram symbolism gravy that I'm sure he's got loaded up for us. Kind of want to know more about you, man. So this is my way of getting a chance to get a little more information about who you are, where you, where you came from, because you just popped in out of left field into our community and you always have had such awesome things to say and very appropriate and well-timed meows. <laughs> we all love you a lot. So what's up guys? How you doing? It's nice to be here. I'm still trying to do it. Is it everything working? Yeah. Oh, there's a light one. So I'll try to. Yeah. We, uh, you know, because the camera's my not head. super strong anyway, if you want to call back in on the, computer where it works better if that's quick it's easier easier than having a blurry camera i just wanted to see your beautiful face that beautiful beard what's that oh well i actually got some i got some beard oil today while i was working um you see that clearly oh what's it made of we got just kind of a blurry label there it's uh cmos or something Coral and moss, sorry, coral and moss beard oil with uh, Hope Works Creations. Uh, it was given to me today. But Very would you cool. like me to oiled my beard reconvene? Before, Do you want a different, on the other device? Yeah, why don't we just put you over on the other device? <laughs> I, think condition that we'll, it. I think that we got a little too much delay with this. So let's try that. And me and Gabe will just shoot the breeze while we wait for you to pop back in. This is my bad. We're I'll late. Right. I didn't have <laughs> didn't have my game plan set, so no no pressure, no problem. But uh, while you switch over, Gabriel, how have you been? Feels like it's been a minute since you and I talked, even though it's probably just a couple of days. Yeah, doing real nice. Uh, spent all day in the sun yesterday. Can you see my sunburned nose? Oh yeah, looking great. Doesn't look too burned. You know yeah. the trick for that. Speaking of oiling thine self. Anoint thyself with oil, <laughs> lavender oil. That's my hack for sunburns. If you rub essential oil of lavender on a burn, sunburn yeah. or otherwise, it like absorbs all the, the doom out of it. Right. Totally. Vitamin E, tons of vitamin E and lavender oil. Uh, you know, and I'm thinking about, and I guess he said that's for conditioning, but I've heard that hair growth can be, uh, stimulated by from apricot seed oil or maybe it's apricot oil oh apricot seed oil that's it yeah that's got some magical properties apricot Mm -hmm. apricot what have you so meow are you ready to uh you you back in josh i believe so sir pardon all right i think we're in much better timing sync now too so that's a nice picture you got uh, I think it was a VPN that was causing it on the phone and uh, I don't have it up right now on the desktop. So maybe that's one reason for the better performance. I'm sorry. I will 
You're all good, brother. It's more about what you say than about the looks, right? It's about what's within. Well, that picture, that avatar there, a friend of mine that I've never met, just an internet friend, uh, painted that for me. Oh, nice. (laughs) So it is in my likeness. So I will use that as the avatar for Meow. That's (laughs) a cicada. That's a cicada crown up on top. Awesome. Like the bugs. Yeah, for real. They are quite good singers. Indeed they are. And uh, some only come out on certain prime number years. So they're particularly interesting creatures. They spend most of their life underground sucking on roots, um, the sugars of roots and such, until they um, change from an instar to a... Um, a cicada they come up out of the ground and emerge and they go through this metamorphosis of sorts. So I kind of view it as when a human's born again, you know, there's that pre awake life that you had. And then the after you become the full you, which we're always in an uh, act of becoming, I think each day even, but the older I get, the more I notice that there are cycles, for instance, Hey, Sienny. Yeah. So, Hey, they're already out in your neighborhood. So, um, <laughs> so every region ha- in North America, anyway, has like a different brood associated with it, which is the, an entirely unique DNA sequence. Um, and then what you'll find is that there's the Magi cicada that comes out every 17 years, and it has an entirely new, uh, unique DNA. And the, the theory is that. The others are the periodical cicadas that come out every year. Those are more like a distraction for these other species. So one of their adaptations was to be prime and come out in years when predators would not be able to predict their emergence. While the periodical cicadas every year, you know, they'll get snacked on with the migratory paths of birds and such. But you know, the Magi cicada will stay underground for 17 years and then none of those flight patterns will be over top when they emerge. So it's because they quite literally they outlive their predators in that way. So most animals don't live to be that old. And birds do have good memories, but take like the crow, for instance, you'd probably see that the crow would go in a migratory pattern anyway. They're going to remember, oh, hey, there was food there, you know. So... It's it's quite interesting. And I think that um, it's an attitude we should kind of have today, you know, like how to be uh, self-sufficient and wise, but also uh, elusive when when necessary. Right? <laughs> how to be unpredictable. Yeah, there's a lot of wisdom in studying nature in general, but mm-hmm. but every every animal's a deep dive, you know, and tonight we're going to talk about the ram. I love it. Yeah, we are both born under that sign. And maybe we'll get some callers later in the show that are also, you know, Aries, so we can do this Maserath chat, as you put it. (laughs) Yeah, man. You blew my mind about the cicada thing already. You got some interesting info, you know, that I had never heard that. I knew that they, I knew some stuff about them, but I didn't know about the Magi. Actually, the college town that I went to for university. There was a local ice cream shop that had cicada ice cream, but only what? when they came out. I never was brave like, enough to try it. Did they mash them up or something? 
Yeah, yeah. It's like ice cream with a crunch. <laughs> wow. Well, wow. they are very high in mercury, but you can't eat them, yes. But uh, I wonder. They're high in mercury. They, yes, indeed. Proportionately, I mean, considering how small they are and such. But it could be because they spend so much time underground. So, you know, how mushrooms, for instance, have a lot of mineral content. Well, same basic principle there i think but but the cicada in particular does carry a lot of mercury so i do kind of um associate it with you know like a hermes mercury you know type deal and i think it might even be alchemical underground it's got that sort of dual swing in both ways thing yeah so in a way, yeah, I, I see what you mean. But uh, I think that for the alchemists, maybe the ancient alchemists even uh, anticipated their arrival so that they could maybe snack on them and get that mercury content, which we only get today from the Jibby Jab Jab Pokemon deal. But I don't think that's quite the same thing. Um, you know how you can only absor- uh, absorb rather um, certain minerals or nutrients by consuming them. So maybe that's one of the only bioavailable ways you can consume the mercury without it. Uh, doing too much damage. Although there is uh, a phenomena associated with cicadas known as cicada mania. So perhaps by eating too many, you could alter your, um, your, you know, your state of being. And <laughs> and cicada such mania. mania. So that's kind of like mercury madness, I guess, maybe. Perhaps. And if you uh, were to type in a search for cicada mythology under the mythology heading you can read about plato um how he talks about cicadas and i think it's the uh, phaedrus and um it's quite interesting uh he, he talks about there's three different types of cicada mania essentially there's like an ecstasy um like a feeling there's the um poetic and then there's, uh, like, I think, singing, dancing. And the, the way the myth goes is that uh, if uh, you were found honoring the muses, so to speak, um, you could be transformed into a being that just sang and danced until they died, never having to eat um, or sleep, just like the cicada. Because when they emerge, they just emerge, mate, and die while sing. They sing a lot, too. But they only operate in certain hours of the day, which is interesting when you realize that spirits, too, have an association with the decans and hours of the day. So I think that they, too, associate with a certain type of spirit. And, of course, in Revelation, um, we see that they're associated with polyon. Of course, they don't sing at night. So I found that very interesting, too. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. It's such an interesting subject. Yes. Yeah. And the cicada's yeah, life. Thinking about, well, you continue, then I'll tell you what I want to ask you about. Go ahead. Well, one of the reasons I use the name of the branch is because uh, a cicada's life begins and ends on a branch as an egg. So after the branch falls, they go into the ground, but they were first an egg in the branch. That's where the cicadas hang out and sing their song. And only the males sing, the females click. Oh, and. I can't believe I almost forgot we're in the season of Passover, right? So this is, I didn't anticipate this being so relevant, but the song of the cicada is actually the males are saying Pharaoh, Pharaoh, and they're taunting Pharaoh. Um, And then the females, they click in response and it sounds like cicada. So they're like, 
cicada and pharaoh back and forth and just to taunt the pharaoh and this is before um yahweh you know took the hebrews out of egypt with his strong right arm right and then took them into the desert so in that time when all these plagues are popping off which we'll maybe talk about tonight uh with one of those links i sent you about the passover but that was the i think the 10th plague of the firstborn which is also interesting because this is the time of first fruits when you take your barley harvest to the temple and that's your tax, Gabe. So I'm really glad that you're here because I wanted to mention that to you. That's where we get our tax day thing. I think is that you're supposed to pay your first fruits tax to the spirit. You got it. You get a blessing in return. So our world's like, basically emulated spiritual mechanics, but in a material way. And I think that's part of why they're so powerful and they're able to use magic spells and stuff the way they are because they tap into something within us. That's like we crave to follow and to worship. I mean, we're created to do that. I think to labor and worship. And so I think the, you know, the lamb, the cicada, these things all teach uh, like a sovereignty but a spiritual sovereignty. You know, we tend to think of sovereignty as like, oh, I'm fiscally you know, independent or whatever. But uh, the whole concept of the Passover and the lamb's blood is about, um, it, it's a ransom paid to free us from spiritual bondage, spiritual captivity. So I think it's really about activating the pineal gland. And uh, that's just been, it's been lost. So mm. Tonight, I hope we can tap into that. And then, because after all, the ram's head is the temple, right? <laughs> so the ram horns uh, symbolize wisdom, et cetera. So I don't want to. Oh, well, one more thing. <laughs> the ram's horn and the cicada both make beautiful music, in my opinion. So. I've really developed a deep appreciation for both of those. What most people would maybe find annoying, I now find very beautiful. I love the sound of cicadas. Snake Jones made a really cool <laughs> comment. Here he goes. I think the insects and birds hold the material material realm together. And yeah. that makes a lot of sense, actually, because this is a vibratory realm. So having a consistent, like when you go outside and you hear the sound of a forest, and the nighttime creatures and all that, you know, you don't have the light. You, you can't see things. You, you're not observing reality into existence as well, but you're hearing it into existence. Yes. And the bird sounds that come at spring, you know, that's like, it maybe is a chicken or egg thing. Maybe it's yes. And it's not that one creates the other, but they definitely have something to do with holding it all together. But I, I wanted to ask you on the cicada thing. I noticed that your Telegram profile picture has the, and probably on YouTube too, has the Cicada 3301 lo- oh, logo. Yeah. yeah. So are you, I guess you're familiar with that, right? The uh, weird internet puzzles that happened in 2012 or 2013. They were all yeah. like cryptography, steganography, supposedly to recruit people into intelligence agencies or secret societies. What do you know about that? Well, I wasn't involved around the 2012 era um but i did come in after it had become something known as sevens exposed and of course it's probably one thing and then for me it's probably something entirely different but uh 
for me, it was very inspirational. And in a, in a way, it kind of changed my life. I, and, you know, if I had never discovered it, I wouldn't be here talking to you right now. So, cause it just kind of altered the whole course of my life in a way. Um, cause I was always very spiritually driven, but it set me on a path for truth, you know? And so I've been very hungry and, you know, I think, you know, they talk about alchemy and things like that too, but um, these were some of the things I already had interest in. So it's always been very compatible with me. Some people kind of characterize it as a techno mystical deal. And some of them I don't agree with. Uh, Some of the folks kind of get into Crowley and stuff too. So I don't think it's, there's a blacks and whites uh, theme. There's sometimes a black cicada and there's sometimes a white cicada. So I think, you know, just like the right hand and the left hand, you got two kind of camps, I think with the fan base and in general, because a lot of them are, you know, pro Jesus, then some aren't. (laughs) So, but for me, I've found it to be very rich and full of, um, nuggets of wisdom. So, you know, it just fits me really well. And in terms of what I like to do anyway, is just research. So it's kind of the cicada mania made you kind of makes you feel inspiration. Um, <laughs> and for me, it, it became like a love for wisdom. I'm not really good at art or music, but, um, it helped me become a better person in some ways. So I think if you can't, make art, make yourself art if possible. Um, and that's what the Masonic temple teaches as well. Like your stone is starts out a rough ashlar and becomes a perfect ashlar. For instance, just like the pineal gland, when you have these epiphanies, they're like flashes. Um, so I guess cicada mania would be instead of a, a flash of epiphany, it's just like, <laughs> you know, so uh, it doesn't shut off till it shuts off. But I think that's a lot of the wisdom and the laws of Leviticus and such were to, so that we could have a clear temple because I think inherently we are vessels and we're made to inhabit the spirit. And uh, the cleaner our bodies are, the more we can vibe <laughs> with the uh, said spirit. And I think that that's really what um, the laws were about. The feast days were about, for instance, men, we're expected to go to the temple uh, during uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is around this time. And again, mm-hmm. at Pentecost, which is 50 days. Pentecost means 50 count, 50 from Passover. And then uh, again, at Feast of Tabernacles, you were expected to come. And the firstborn of families were the um, typically the priests. And so those were the first fruits given by the family as well to serve God. So it's a really interesting time that we're in to study these, um, these repeating patterns. And I think that cicadas as well are part of that pattern. I mean, that 17, 13, some of them are every year and three years, but I think that uh, it's something that opened my mind up to me like deep inside it helped me discover myself more and so like it's led me on this weird quest of trying to just understand myself and that's what everybody's supposed to do you know because in i think as a part of the body of christ we're all unique but together we are one and so the only thing prime numbers have in common is one (laughs) 
and their number. So it helped me kind of like unlock. Wow. That's a really good point. I want to just throw in there. Like the way I see it is that the spirit filling the vessel, the life force energy, that's the oneness. And then the vessels are the plurality. Well, exactly. But, and some are foot, some are a hand, some are a mouth or some are an eye. So we all have different talents, right? And when we share and witness about how the spirit moves in our life, that's when the spirit is manifest. It says, uh, whether it's two or more there, the spirit is as well. So, you know, we're in church right now, uh, <laughs> in my opinion. And, and we got to all kind of like wake each other up, you know, so that the body can become whole. Um, that's, it says we all prophesy in part and see through a glass darkly until that day comes when the head is set on the body. And that is emblematic of the Holy of Holies, which is part of the tabernacle in the desert, um, or the temple that was built twice in Jerusalem and destroyed. So you see the the head heads, the ram. Yeah, man. So that's what's up. (laughs) So I'm very pleased to be talking about this at a time of the year where it's so relevant because it is the head of the year. It's see red associated with the blood of the lamb. Even that's the color light spectrum. That's emblematic of this time. We just moved out of the purple and blue, you know, the noon blue apples, uh, blue Monday, (laughs) then in the purple. And now we're into the, uh, and pink during Valentine's Day because it's between the purple and the red. That's the bardo. So we're, you know, and Christ was uh, slain and went into the underworld and for three days and then was resurrected. And so that's also emblematic of that space right there uh, between the Pisces and the ram, which, you know, his other symbol was the fish, right? So head to toe in a sense. <laughs> oh, and that's also the Ark of the Covenant, I, I think, is basically that, too, um, head to toe. But it, not so much head to toe, but more like the equinoxes, because uh, it's the first and seventh months that you have the feasts between spring and fall. Mm-hmm. And that's the only time you'll really hear the cicadas, by the way. So they really just sing for the feast days, in my opinion. And it goes really well with the story of the Passover and the rapture and the feast of unleavened bread, by the way, the reason that they left with unleavened bread is because they left in such haste after they, they consumed the lamb, holy, burnt it up in fire without breaking any bones. And then they took the lamb's blood and uh, anointed their doors with it. And then whenever the 10th plague came over, it was the destroyer. And so he took the first fruits of Egypt, all the firstborn were slain. Mm -hmm. And if you had the lamb's blood on your door, your home was spared. Um, Mm -hmm. And then it was right after that, the Pharaoh's like, get out of (laughs) here. And of course, then he pursued them. But, um, and and into the desert into Sinai, and then they parted the Red Sea um, whenever, God, you know, asked him, he's like, raise your staff, you know, and the Red Sea parted and it didn't just part. It was dried up to where they could walk across dry shot, it says. So I've always found that fascinating because there's another part where they cross the Jordan later with the Ark of the Covenant and it parts the water similarly. Mm -hmm. So I really enjoy looking at those two examples there. But 
this is the time where we recount those stories. And uh, this is the essence of Hashem is that we become these storytellers. We tell about the sagas and the heroic acts and how the spirit it's a, it's a constant testify, testify, testify out throughout the age. It just echoes, echoes, echoes. Yes. <laughs> and I'm that's the concept go, of Hashem. I'm going to go get my uh, dry erase board. Cause we're going to need the visual cues here. Oh, this right. is, all right. <laughs> this I've is been beautiful. watching the gears turn in your head for the last 20 minutes. Yeah. And then, yeah. <laughs> all right. Speaking of visual cues, um, 17 in particular is one and seven, which is the 17th letter in the alphabet. And Cicada created Q and on, by the way. So just so you're aware, I always found that kind of interesting. Cicada created Q and on, like the Cicada 3301 ARG augmented reality game. Yeah. Well, let's just say if it hadn't existed, the other wouldn't necessarily have existed either. And they're kind of, it's like a different part of the body okay right so um you could call like q and on or q or whatever you could call that uh you know the, a different arm or different hand cicada could be like the heart or the soul or whatever <laughs> but anyway one and seven that's nissan and tishri first month seventh month september april so that's the span of the feast days so Really, Q is like judgment because it goes from first fruits to judgment day, which is nine, two, three. So if you've ever wondered what the two, three symbolism is, nine, two, three, especially that's judgment day, which kind of goes back to the Sabbatean Frankus deal, like redemption through sin. They think if they can just make huge amount of evil in this world, that they can create the ultimate good. What they don't realize is <laughs> they're probably not going to enjoy that outcome if it ever sees fruition and fruition is a good word for that, I think, because really uh, I think what it harkens to is the parable of the fig tree that we see in Matthew 24. Um, it's, you know, when wickedness and pride bud, um, sudden destruction will come upon them. So I know I freak people out probably because I'm always like talking about the end of days and stuff, but I truly believe in these stories. And I think that, we were told them for a reason, you know, cataclysms have left an indelible mark on our, our genetic past and ancestry. And I think that, you know, we'll never know the full truth until our creator tells us what, what happened. But I think that some of these things are kind of easy to explain. Like, you know, the flood narrative shows up a lot, which the cicadas lived through by the way. But, uh, um, so, you know, I think the moon probably poured the water off. There was probably water on the moon at one point, right? And so it probably got poured off by the moon. And then I think what will happen next, because it says it's supposed to be fire, right? There's a promise it won't be water, but it will be fire. So I think the sun will pour its fire off soon and hit us. And right now, right now, we have a CME headed for us <laughs> that's earth-facing, and what's really cool is that we have all these planets lining up right now. And I don't can't recall how many of them there are. But by the time the 15th or 16th rolls around, we'll have a big old string of planets in alignment. And then you'll have a CME coming through. So I think of it's like strumming the monochord of the universe. So I don't know if anything will happen. But to me, that would be kind of an interesting indicator because it's like a wedding train. 
and we yes. know that wedding gowns have trains. So like what's going to happen when that happens? So I don't know. Sit tight. Maybe something cool occur. Maybe <laughs> once in a lifetime uh, or once in an age type. Deal, yeah. Probably. I, I, I find that symbolism very apropos the wedding and the gown and the train. You know, yes. uh, this, this happened a few months ago, similar alignments. And it made me think of signing on a dotted line, the signs creating your a dotted name. line. Your shem, yeah. your fame. Right. And a core. So, I mean, that's why when they write it in blood, it's so significant because they really are selling their souls for fame mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the red cord, that's interesting. Um, that pops up in Joshua 2. Uh, a red cord is let out the window uh, for the spies to climb out or excuse me, they climb out the window and then they tell her to put a red rope out the window rather. And uh, that's the signal that that's where she lives. So whenever the Joshua, whose name means salvation, when he comes to attack, uh, I think it's Jericho. Um, and since she lived in the wall too, the walls came down but her home was still spared and they knew where she was at. So she got spared by through the red rope of salvation, which symbolized a promise. And then that's, and Rahab, whose name can translate to Leviathan, by the way, um, she then weds Joshua, which is salvation. So it shows like a interesting story too, of redeeming the Leviathan, which is a kosher animal, by the way, I think we, we're allowed to eat the Leviathan because it has scales and fins and stuff. So yeah, they, they, say something, they say something hard. about eating of its skin could feed nations forever or something. Yeah. Well, I think it's the earth basically like the land okay. or whatever. It's probably okay. partly Leviathan. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> you know, uh, I'm, I was brought up in uh, Amish country and as a child, we used to hear these really weird myths uh, urban myths about, or maybe rural myths about uh, the Amish traditions. And one just came to mind as you were dis- describing the ribbon, leaving a ribbon in the window. Uh, they really? used to, yeah, they used to say that the Amish women, when they came of age, that they would put a red candle in their window as a symbol to their uh, the the boy of their dreams. To like Dude. signify that she's ready for him to come visit her in the, in the night at her window, and so That's, all the yeah. all the city Sorry. boys I'm would excited. be like, yeah, all the city boys would be like, if you ever see a red candle at an Amish window, go go on, you might be the one. <laughs> That's really bizarre. Uh, at the same time, man, thank you so much for telling me about that. I didn't. So that's Germanic, right? Amish, Dutch, yeah, yep. Yeah. Put some of the beard oil on so that I could uh, enjoy the, <laughs> what is this again? Um, coral and moss. It's got accents of coral and moss, coronal this, mass. This, oh, coronal mass ejection. <laughs> it's a little strong. <laughs> oh, and I got some headaches have this week too, which Aries are prone to headaches. Um, this has. Mel, I don't really get those. Well, you're fortunate. I'm fortunate. I've suffered with them all my life. Although I did run into the I, tongue of a 
house trailer when I was little and kind of like cut my nose in half. So I've always wondered if that's a major contributor to that. But I think I do have seasonal allergies. And unfortunately, I'm allergic to cats, believe it or not. Oh, really? But I love them. Meow. I'm going to let that get in the way. Kind of like my life goals. You know, I used to be. And when I quit ingesting dairy from cows, all my pet allergies went away. And every other kind of allergy I had. I say that a lot, but Hmm. never know. Interesting. I do get my milk from a nearby farm, and it's not pasteurized or homogenized. And he used to get it from a genetic breed of cow that it wasn't supposed to be uh, like people that were sensitive to it. It wasn't supposed to trigger that sensitivity, although it still did in me. But since he's gotten a new cow, because the old cow passed away, unfortunately, but the new cow, I think he, I think somebody shanghaied him. Sorry, maybe that's not a good word to use, but I think somebody pulled the wool <laughs> over his eyes. Let me say that. Uh, and sold him a cow with the wrong genetics because I tend to react to the new milk a little more, <laughs> more so than before. But it's so good, man. So I wanted to review some of that Genesis mythology with some of my uh, my charts and graphs over here. Absolutely, Gabriel. Yeah, man, this is beautiful because we're talking about cows and sheep uh, in tax day and Passover. So this is my Diction of Aries cipher next to an Analima. Yeah, and this is really gratifying to kind of have memorized because, like, as you're telling your story, I can see the flow of these dynamics in the exactly. <laughs> so right here, we are at X T a X. We are at the X mm-hmm. on tax day. And it's just, I mean, it is like the day before Passover begins. And what is really interesting is that in the Analima, the we are in the rising aspect. We're still ascending to the top of the eight. And we are passing under the other half of the symbol. And so as we go this direction, uh, the, uh, the, the season that is passing will pass over us approximately 90 days later, I think. I think it's 90 days later. It's uh, August 27th is the date that the X gets crossed again. So we're, we're laying the first line underneath right now. And in about 90 plus days, we're going to uh, pass over ourselves mm-hmm. in this stream of time. And so all of those aspects are incredibly uh, significant to why we pay our taxes on the day that we do, why we make that covenant, that agreement to be obedient, and to give our tithing to mammon. We do get an extension this year. Thanks, Masters, because of Good Friday (laughs) being the day that it falls on the 15th. That's significant in its own right. Yes. I've been wondering about uh, alterations to this uh, in, in the possibility that maybe the sun doesn't do the same thing every single year exactly. Um, but also, 
something that's really interesting is that we're essentially right in here. We're just coming, you know, uh, out of Aries. We're moving, uh, I'd say, the sea, uh, which is under the uh, minor decan of Perseus. But I would say the sea is about where we are, uh, right between the sea and the D, when we pay taxes. And that's interesting because we're paying our taxes to D, C. <laughs> there D you go, sketch. Is the is the crossing point, but also look F E D. We're paying our F E D. We're paying the feds at D C on this time, and so Perseus has been a focus of my research in a major way. He's holding it ahead of Caduce of Medusa. I think that has to do with the the mythology that just came out this week about snakes in your water, venom of serpents in the water. I think that's a, a hail to Perseus as we are under that uh, minor deck and big time. But Ariga, which I misspelled at first, A-U-R-I-G-A, Ariga is also above the F-E-D of D-C. In oh, Ariga, good it's, catch. It's in the shape of a pentagram. Is that's the a spooky of- weave. <laughs> yes. It's really, uh, really something. The more, you know, the more I focus my attention and keep my ears to the ground, the more I'm like, wow, uh, there's not as much separation of church and state as they tell us. You know, that's basically what that means. Uh, they have replaced uh, religion with politics, with theater of war, essentially. Yeah, because they are aware of how humans operate. They can play this drama out. They're trying to, and in that way, they're trying to change the script. The scripture is like the script, you know. So uh, <laughs> it's kind of comical. Uh, oh, can we talk about Perseus for a second? Because do you know what what is, uh, so he was, he killed the Medusa and then Pegasus sprang up from the body of Medusa. And then he rode Pegasus to um, the kingdom. I can't remember the name of the kingdom, but it was Cephas, I think, and Cassiopeia or Cetus. Mm-hmm. Cetus is the uh, large creature. Cepheus, I think. Cepheus yes. and Cassiopeia. You got it. Um, and I think it might have been like a mirror, mirror, who's the fairest of them all kind of thing where, where mm-hmm. Andromeda was beautiful or charming or something. Some somehow one of the deities got offended and uh, chained her to a stone, uh-huh. which I think is significant here. Pineal again, significance, and of course it's on a shore, so it's being bathed in salt water. Uh, but then we had Cetus, which is the sea monster, I think coming to devour her on the stone. So we see this mate, uh, virgin being eaten by the monster kind of thing. Um, so he comes in and saves her by turning the sea creature to stone using the Gorgon's head. So he would have carried it in that pouch you've talked about, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, and and uh, one thing that's interesting in the story I, I that I went through, he actually used this sword on the sea monster. Uh, and then, this brought up an interesting point. Um, uh, he uses the monster, the Medusa, the Gorgon head, he uses that 
on humans, but he uses the human weapon on monsters. Oh, okay. Which is just a, a just a I mean just a fine detail, but I I find that interesting that there's like some kind of a 180 oppositional uh, elemental aspect to his methodology of uh, self-defense. Kind of like Geralt, the Witcher, has a silver sword for monsters and a regular sword for humans. Steel yes. for humans. <laughs> yeah, excuse me. That wasn't yeah. specific enough. But go ahead. But uh, that was no mere sword Perseus had. I'm sure it had some type of enchantment. Um, yes. But uh, but at any rate, um, my birth star happens to be Alpharetz, which is associated with the head of um, Andromeda. So I've always thought that was kind of interesting. So because that star is in the head of Andromeda, I've always associated the stone she's chained to to the pineal gland. So I think it's interesting also that that star is in the Aries. Decan. I love that. Yeah, because it literally that. does all point to the pineal gland. And the stone, the gorgon changing things to stone and back. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it all kind of fits together. And um, she shares a really close proximity to the shoulder, I think, of Pegasus as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're talking about horse symbolism, or I say we, but I think somebody else in the community that I was watching maybe was talking about horses. And I think, I think um, Rachel mentioned one of the runes was like two horses, or tear rune maybe, it was two horses uh, opposing cool. one another. So that makes yeah. me think of the equinoxes as well. Oh, and I'm glad that I remembered. Sorry, I got excited. Uh, we were talking about linchpins and Christ on the cross. That's a linchpin. And it kind of reminds me of it's the linchpin between the feet and the head uh, or Hjormonger that's biting its tail. You know, like a, once that's released, that's like when everything you know, Ragnarok or whatever occurs. So I find that interesting because to me, that'd be like the mercy door shutting is when the linchpin is released and the train derails or whatever. (laughs) Anyway, I just wanted to get that out because that was one of those epiphanies like in the shower this morning. You Um, know, on that, it sounds so similar to, uh, so it makes me think of the seventh chakra, the seventh day that he rested the seventh hermetic principle being gender. Yeah. Um, and it makes me think of a very interesting just thought that I've heard that in uh, Muslim mythology, they believe that when the end times are near, that there will be an abundance of gender confusion and mm-hmm. uh, gender dysphoria on in mass. And to them, that means that the poles are about to flip. The North Pole and the South Pole are about to become inverted. And I just find all of that so interesting that even across different um, religious mythology constructs and paradigms, there's some consistency about, like you were saying, the linchpin. It's about to, something's about to get pulled and the domino effect comes into play. Um, yeah, exactly. That's where I think these cataclysms come from. And so the, the yes. God in heaven has this uh, authority, you know, and I think that kind of harkens back to these fallen and the Tower of Babel and all these stories yes. of them wanting to escape their fate where, 
like they just weren't allowed to go back up into heaven, which is anywhere but earth, essentially. And uh, right. they were, you know, trapped down here. And so I think from time to time, you know, uh, there is that cataclysm, but it's like a cleaning mechanism for the earth or the canvas. I kind of think of it like a canvas because I think God is an artist. And of yeah. course, uh, it's just a giant canvas that constantly gets <laughs> wiped and start over again. You know, only life is that uh, form of expression, you know. So um, I've always felt like the left hand is where the creativity comes from, in a sense. But then the, the world's mostly right handed, um, which is the doing and the action and the building and the practicality and stuff. So it's like a blend of the two. But I'm so I have um, thought in the mind first. I have a possibility to throw out there with the idea of the pole flip, pole shift. Mm -hmm. To me, it's also possible that that isn't a thing, and that we have various versions of the narrative of that seeded across scientism, across society, Mm. in order to further an attempt to alchemically transmute the world mind to bring fiction into reality to try to, if that makes sense through our, through the mechanism of human beings in our uh, thoughts, behaviors, and actions to create further stagnation into fiction, further separation from the real. Uh, So just a possibility. Mm Mm-hmm. But that, you know, uh, in a different cosmology than the NASA cosmology, then the North and South Poles aren't necessarily actually poles. Yeah, that uh, that that brushes into, you know, some of the the Velikovsky uh, field. Um, He was amalgamating a lot of uh, geo... uh, what am I thinking of? Planetary sh- uh, shifts that are evident in the stone. And he was giving them context in Old Testament mythos. And it was, uh, it's fascinating research. And I believe personally, I think that Einstein was sent in to stifle him. And he was about to tell, uh, or he would have ideally told the world that this whole thing gets flipped. Uh, not over a prolonged period, but very drastically and suddenly. And that would explain that collective trauma uh, that you mentioned earlier. Um, Yeah. That is uh, kind of viciously preserved in the, (laughs) in what people think of the old Testament is like, man, was there fucking eating, eating babies and sacrificing children for, you know, uh, for the sake of, the greater good or whatever, all of that makes sense if they thought that the planet was being punished for something. In a weird yeah, way. that's entirely possible. But I also think that particular example of the children being eaten or sacrificed, I think that's a misinterpretation of how you're supposed to sacrifice them as priests. They go to the temple and serve, oh. you don't literally sacrifice them. They, in a sense, they're, role is kind of already predestined. So in a sense, that's a sacrifice. So I think that could have been a misinterpretation because Yahweh does make it plain 
he plainly states to his people, he's like, I never told you to pass your children through the fire. It never even entered my mind. I don't know why you guys are doing that. Right. And so that like we see that that stuff actually comes from the fallen angels. They wanted to destroy our seed. So we see the dragon, like in Revelation 12, it always wants to destroy the seed of the man's child and the priests. Um, so, you know, I, I think that was just something that was introduced by uh, spirits that didn't want to see, you know, uh, pineal glands walking around <laughs> and uh, <laughs> snuffing them out, you know. Um, yeah, you know, even the Catholic Church has that in their history that, they had to pass a decree, a decree at one point to n- not accept any more uh, children uh, signed off, to, uh, conscripted to the Catholic Church because people were given too many babies. Uh, and that was oh, that wow. What a great problem. I mean, if you, you know, they weren't abusing them, that would be, you know, like that's what you're supposed to have a large clergy, right? And then your tithe goes to support the church and the priesthood. So, Mm-hmm. And then they feed the people with scripture and spiritual understanding, et cetera. So that's how it's supposed to work. But humans, of course, want to ruin everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the sinful nature, of course. But I think the the laws and everything were to preserve us, you know, preserve our salt, our flavor. And, uh, you know, we've just and it says in Luke 1152, I think it is that uh, they the, the Jewish Pharisees and Sadducees, they had hid the keys of knowledge, not only from others, but from themselves. They've they obfuscated it to the point that they had, they themselves have become spiritually blind. So that's in my, in my opinion, that's that they didn't have a pineal gland that was even open, but yet they're trying to mm-hmm. teach people how to do it. So Are that would lawyers? be hypocritical, of course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they become lawyers instead of yogis, essentially. <laughs> so lawyers, um, there's that concept again. You know, the world of fiction, that's what lawyers deal in. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to comment on that, uh, how you said, like, it could be like a seed, or like a springboard for other ideas. Well, because I re- think the reason for it is because if you can alchemically transmute the mind uh, of the populace into a large enough degree to confuse fiction with reality, in one area, it becomes easier to do it in other areas. Yeah. Like I think uh, the new Crow Triple Seven episode, number 400, is a great example of that. Oh, yeah. Because there's so much fiction already believed in, it's not that big of a stretch for people to be scared of nukes, which are not as described. They don't exist as described. Um, so what I find interesting about that uh, point that you're making there is that the shaping of the world is that stained glass design we looked at. I can't remember if it was a flow state or a weave, but the, um, uh, what was it? The Fabian society uses that stained glass design at the London school of economics. It shows the red, uh, tunic wearing, um, Smith and the green tunic wearing Smith, both strike taking turns, striking the molten, world which you got to heat the world up right to change it mm-hmm. this makes me think of that part in scripture where jesus says i've come to set the world on fire and what will i if it already is burning so like the world can only be reshaped in these times certain periods of time right when it's in flux 
And uh, so I'm thinking of that stained glass as you were saying that. And now what's interesting about the Fabian Society is it was largely populated by authors, fiction authors and stuff. So I think you're right. Perhaps they were trying to soften up the mind in certain ways um, to accept ideas. And really, when you think about it, MK Ultra type uh, techniques have been employed on humanity for a while now, but particularly in our country, I think. I mean, look at how H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds type thing uh, went. And I think he was a member of that society, for instance. So I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure he was. So, you know, the world shapers get to join that club. And another one of their symbols is a turtle that uh, hits like it's like slow but powerful or some type of slogan like that. That's their motto. So like they'll take forever to achieve their goal, but when they finally right. get it, it's like, boom, they're not going to mess up. They think. And so I think a lot of what we're seeing right now is they're, they're the fruits of their labor, um, slowly coming to fruition. So maybe that would be a good dive for somebody if they're interested in them more. But, but I agree with you, Chance. I think that they're seeding the mind. And uh, once you kind of know, you know, from the ruler's perspective, what bread and circuses to use, so on and so forth. I mean, look how absorbed people get into superheroes and stuff like that, too. I think it's kind of like they're uh, trying to replace God in some ways. Um, Our at least God's in the old days, standards. they were worshiping. Um, yeah. Speaking of comic book superheroes, <laughs> we have a caller. <laughs> oh, What's well, up, Gordy? Okay. We have two callers, actually. We're going to take them one. We're going to bring them on one at a time. So we're going to start with Gordy and let him get some stuff in. And then we'll bring in Zaralath. What's up, Gordy? Okay. Gentlemen. So I've been thinking about this. We were talking about the, uh, the fiction thing and the reset thing. You know, Jim and I were looking at one of those invisible college, um, documents last night. Mm -hmm. And, um, one of the things that, kept coming up with was the symbology of Noah's Ark and uh, Mount Ararat and the whole reset thing of the flood thing. And it just kept mm-hmm. eating at me that the invisible college, like, and they, they always kind of thought of themselves like the, the whole idea of secret societies or whatever, as the protectors of knowledge, you know, mm-hmm. and the ones who remember and uh, they, that's why we we're forced to use symbology because it's the, the one thing, the incorruptible language kind of thing, nice. you know, a thing means what it means. And so at any rate, I was just thinking about that chance when you were talking about the, the replacing fact with fiction or, or resetting our memory that I'm wondering if this, these, you know, this time right now that we're living in, there's going to be this either conscious or unconscious, like collective agreement, let's say, to like, you know, what, like when a trauma happens in a family and there's like family secrets, um, we all kind of subconsciously go, oh, we're just never going to talk about that again. You know, like the. So what I think it is, like you go with the hermetic principle, the all is mind. I think it's a twisted attempt of if you can transmute 
the world mind to believe in something that is fiction as reality. Maybe there's a a concept or an idea that that would actually bring that into reality and change reality. Since we're talking about minds here and what the all is, is mind. But I don't think that the human minds can override nature no matter what. I think you froze. Gordy, you froze up there, buddy. Sorry, buddy. Stunned him speechless. (laughs) No, I think, yeah, this has been eating at me. So I was like, yeah, this is, I got to jump in here. Um, Also, Joshua, thank you for like jumping in when you do. We need like more like (laughs) biblical scholar types. Like this is, this is kind of, these skills are, are like filling in these holes in our community that I appreciate. And well, thank you. Everybody I sometimes has our, feel like I talk too much. <laughs> nah, dude, it's cool. And, but you're right. I think these, uh, you know, I've been thinking this since I was a kid that, that, uh, I mean, there, there was no, there was no apology for saying that these are our new gods, that the comic book superhero things like Jack Kirby's one of his biggest, um, when he went back to DC, his biggest thing was called the new gods. And he created the whole hmm. storyline of celestials and all that stuff. There was oh, no, yeah. there's no, he wasn't making any apologies. These are our gods. Right. Like he, right. this is how he's seeing our gods. Yes. So, so Gordy, I recently heard that they discovered that in 1947, which we've been talking about how 47 was a reset mm. in and of its own right, that they may have found Noah's Ark in Turkey and that many political uh, adjustments initiated on the turn of the dime right then and there. And so are gods wearing spandex and these superheroes wearing capes and Cape Canaveral reminding us that, you know, we can fly and become greater than any fiction you ever imagined. You know, they really did in 1947. They started a whole new program of dressing up our heroes and our belief systems into these archetypes and launching them into space and convincing us that uh, that we can get out of this place if we just obey enough. <laughs> yeah. Hmm really interesting but yeah, yeah uh, the the whole uh it's the same stories the hero's journey is the same same things told over and over and over again it doesn't matter who's wearing right. the spandex oh and here's another thing 47 that's the atomic number for silver and the offering plate is silver it's silver is a conduit for admiration so oh you know what i the other thing i was going to point out to you about the the seal of Montana. Uh-huh. Does it say silver and gold on the on the Montana seal? It says oro y plata or something. Yes. Right? Yes. And there's a gold and a silver key at the foot of the hierophant. Right. Yeah, dude. All lining up with Taurus on the territories. And the gray bull. So yeah, the Wyoming. The buffalo up there, the tribes call it Gray Bull. And the reason I know this is because there's a town that was just 
like, I don't know, 20 minutes from where I lived mm-hmm. in uh, Wyoming called Gray Bull. And uh, it's in the Bighorn Mountains. Wow. So uh, there's all your Aries and Taurus right all, all in one spot, man. Yeah. Speaking of Aries, we got a call in from Zerlath, who is also a fellow Aries. What's up, man? How's it going? Yeah, Joshua hit me up and it was just like, I guess it was because it was an Aries affair. And uh, I don't know how many Arieses you asked, but I'm I'm honored that I am one of them. Excellent. Yeah, welcome. Hit up a few. I'm I'm a very I'm a very proud Aries because I'm a fifth house Aries. So I've got that exaltation with the sun going on. It's 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 really nice. Uh, what's <laughs> on your head there? This is Locke, my reptilian handler. Oh, cool! <laughs> <laughs> Illuminati confirmed. I, I'm almost exactly. I, I'm pretty sure that I had that had this guy with me on uh, one of the yeah. spiders that I hopped on, and uh, that's where I know you guys from. It's a pleasure to meet you. Um, I was, was going to guess you had an overdeveloped hypothalamus, but a lizard crown is even better. Ain't it? Ain't it? <laughs> I used to have uh, three bearded dragons. Um, you know, they, those were my first reptilian handlers. Uh, I miss them. But um, uh, yeah, no, I was uh, I, I was telling people um, just like, you know, like we talk about the sheeple. Right. And, and what is a sheep? A sheep is a sheep is a domesticated ram. Right. And so um, I tell people I'm no sheeple. I ramble. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Ramble on. <laughs> so and and no, but actually, this like, is a ramble I, conversation because Gordy's exactly a it, like because I was thinking about that yeah. in, in, in the sense like, yeah, yeah, we keep talking about sheep, sheep, sheep. But hold on a second. I'm an Aries. Technically, I'm a sheep, but I'm not. We don't call ourselves sheep. We're rams. We have horns. We're wild animals. <laughs> um, All right. Yeah, they, to yeah. add fuel for the fire, we also got Reagan in the house. Reagan. Another Aries. This is indeed an Aries affair. You guys mm. are outnumbered. On we, all, we all have to kick each other in the nuts now to uh, establish <laughs> act like that just letting you know and i get it i get it like i, I like i i will subconsciously like just kick a friend in the nuts it's it's nothing personal it's just uh it's just uh i saw her first anyway continue <laughs> and you know what's interesting too is uh the the Taurus and the the Aries trying to find a pen so I can draw this out. Um, right, and what did I say? I say I ramble. <laughs> yeah, ramble. <laughs> so here, if you take the the symbol for Taurus, right? The, I don't know if you can see that. Symbol for Taurus is the. Where is that? There you go. All right. And you put the Aries in the middle of it. What is that? Can you see that? Can't tell. Yeah. Yeah. What's that look like? It's like a gray horned owl. 
Oh, oh okay. Of course you would say that. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That wow. is that is cool. Well played. Wow, that makes me think of California. That's cool. Thank you for that, Gordy. Man. Reagan, yeah. when is your birthday? April 1st, man. April oh, 4th. Right. That's right. We celebrated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I actually used to work on a sheep ranch. And uh, they're interesting creatures. Really? You know, people, yeah, people see them as like being like, you know, sedate and mild and whatever. But if you ever get like too close to them and that herding mentality kicks in, they take off like a Super Bowl. You know, like those little balls you can bounce and they'll hit the floor <laughs> and the ceiling. They're gone. Like, boom, all of them at once. Right? It's, it's, they're actually, they're actually difficult to work with. You know, if I had, could work with sheep or with cattle, it'd be cattle all day. Yeah, cattle's way easier. My sister yeah. has, she just had 30 lambs this mm. spring. So all tons of brand new baby, baby sheepies all over the place. <laughs> yeah, and they're so delicious. Everything wants to eat them. Right? <laughs> you know, I've never had lamb. Really? Really? Oh. Not even not, 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 not even a lamb shop. Never. You know, I had rabbit for my first time at Snake Jones's farm with Gabriel. It was, was awesome. Mm. I've never had rabbit. Oh, rabbit is delicious too. Rabbit's the best. Yeah. So I'm told good. rabbit's really good. Rabbit is like Especially, chicken with better gravy. Sure, sure. I just have to check in on Eostra because I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your reptilian handler named? Uh, his name is Locke. Huh. <laughs> That's hilarious. You just got a lock on your, your dome. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once, uh, you know, once, once the reptiles uh, found its, its comfy spot, um, by and large, They'll just sit there, stoic, just peeking left and right here and there. Uh, One of the things I really enjoyed when I played um, uh, God of War uh, uh, 4, the one in uh, Norse mythology, uh, most of that game, Jormungandr is a part of the background. So you just see this giant freaking serpent head just looking around left and right. In this game, he's a lot friendlier than he is in the North uh, Norse mythos because of the kind of story it's uh, it's telling it. You know, it's God of War. It has to turn it on its head to make the gods the bad guys. So they're making the bad guys look like the good guys, like they did in the in the Greek version of the game. Um, and so you know, it's just neat because it's just like they really nailed the way like a, a, a lizard in its relaxed state likes to just look around leisurely. Uh, but it's leisurely, but it's still kind of quick at the same time. Uh, uh, and it just makes sense. Uh, it's, it's a cool effect if you ever uh, get a screenshot of the game. <clears throat> I think Joshua had to take a call, but he, he let us know in the private chat. Crisis. It is a, a crisis call from work. So hopefully we'll Uh-oh. get him back. But no worries, dude. I think he can still hear us. You take care of put out them fires. Aries is the hero, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, you yeah. Handle it. Take your time. You don't need to rush to come back. Obviously, we got plenty yeah. of firepower up in here, yeah. and it's just you like, gave us a lot of good gravy in and, the first and, hour. 
sometimes an Aries is is accidentally rude because of how quickly they jump on the higher purpose. It, it, you know, if it's a knee jerk reaction kind of thing and, and you're forced to make a choice, you know, you might dart off on somebody mid like they were mid sentence telling you something important. But like the Superman complex kicks in, uh, you know, your Aries thing, you've got to bash a barricade right now with your forehead. Right. <laughs> That's what happens with us. You know what I get is people act like they're on their best behavior around me. Like, I don't like to have fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, that's why you have to learn to be like funny and, and you've got to be, you've got to set a certain energetic tone. You got to have the empathic level because we're, we're, we're Aries. We're the, uh, um, we're both hyper obsessed with being in charge, but we're very, very immature at the same time because you know, or the one-year-old, the you have baby, to be twelve to hit maturity, right? That's that's how it works, right? The 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 Pisces is the most mature, which is why it gets uh, the twelfth uh, position. It's the it's the high water magus. That's um, why I, I'm I feel blessed to be on that cusp, right between them, just barely over on the Aries side, because I feel like I carry a lot of the Pisces. Hey, you got the shaman stones there, Gordy. Tell us yeah. about those. Oh, you're muted, but those are beautiful. Sorry, dude. Um, yeah, so I've been finding these for a while. They're, they're called Moki Marbles or Shaman Stones, but I've been finding these in the desert for a while, right? And there's a male one that is a little more craggy like this. Benjamin Balderson showed me this stuff on the last uh, weave. and. This totally works. Look, there's a female, right? So you put them together, and there's there's kind of a piezomagnetic. There's a mm. okay. You can feel the there's a rhythm to it. Yeah, they're like pushing and pulsing. Yeah, it's, pulsing it's against yeah. each other. Uh, so, those uh, aren't anyway. lodestones, are they? They're not lodestones. Um, I, they might be called that too. These are they're also called. I think Baldy called them uh, uh, boji boji balls or boji stones, but they come in different. They come in okay. different uh, sizes. Like I'm finding them in all sorts different, and this one's an interesting set. Um, this I think is the female, and it's a really kind of messed up thing. But the way I've been finding these is just kind of asking them to show themselves to me. And I found a bunch of them, dude. It's crazy. And they have different. Yeah, I want to hear about the Taoist dowsing that you're doing. Okay. So, yeah, I just, um, I kind of, I mean, it's, it's not too far from the owl tree mm-hmm. where I'm finding these. So I'm already in that kind of that meditative state. Um, so what I'll do is just ask them, ask the stone to show me where they are. And I'll, I'll do this kind of thing that I've, I kind of learned from watching Tao healers. And um, they do this kind of, uh, kind of, 
I don't know if it just sets the mind aside for your, you to find something else, but it's like dowsing. It feels like dowsing, right? And so you kind of ask it a question and instead of having a, I think it's kind of like a pendulum or something, but you're feeling it here as if kind of like when you're pulling tarot, pulling a card, you know, and a card jumps out at you. It, so I would, I'll go out there and ask them, ask it to find them. And I'll, uh, I'll take a set of magnets out too, and just kind of go over to wherever I think they'd be and drop the magnet in there. And a lot of times it just pulls these things right out of the, out of the sand. And uh, I found a bunch of them here. I can show you like there's all these Wow, here. dude, that is quite a few. And Holy smokes, was, man. It's, it works That's like a mother load. And hey, um, uh, 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 Gordy, I put this link in the, uh, in the chat over here on StreamYard. Uh, allegedly, these stones are from a, uh, our, our Kansas Pop Rocks. Boji oh, is the yeah. name of the company that brands them because they basically get mined out of allegedly it's a pyramid in Kansas. Yes, actually, we brought this up on the weave last Saturday and I went and scoped out this alleged pyramid and it's very hard to find a very a large enough resolution picture to be worth kind of sharing in a screen share. But look that up if anyone's interested. To is me, it like that a, does not look like a natural pyramid. Earth? It looks like some kind of a ancient ruin that has just been grown over and nature's taken it back over. So you well, wonder, are, South these, America. are these some kind of like old technology that is resurfacing. I would, I would, would not be, surprise me. I would be remiss if I didn't mention the ram in the word pyramid. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, right. The look at these. I, these ones are huge. This guy, I don't know. This has got to be like five pounds each. They're really heavy, but because it's like totally iron. Do the like balls quartz, but they, are they really heavy magnetic or can they actually touch? How how much resistance? Oh, okay, they, they can right. touch, but once you uh, once you kind of let this, them, <clears throat> because what I they, see you doing with your hands, it, it, it's it's very similar. Like I do qigong exercises, right? Mm-hmm. And yes. you know, I, I'm imagining that what you're feeling might be that there's there's chi in the ball or the ball perhaps interacts with your chi and it's like a chi condenser yeah, dude exactly that's what i'm thinking too that's sick kind of now, now i need those of, for my qigong practice damn it <laughs> and so i think the balance masculine and feminine energies in the body you know and i i brought up to mario um that it's it is you know, that is the torsion field too, is would be the yeah. path of two spinning. Ooh, that feels weird. Wow, look at holy cow, dude. Wow, that's <laughs> torsion. I feel it from here. Really let's let's get a little bit more ram talk out of this with the torsion field. And 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 this is also akin to goats too, because of the reference point. Uh tor. Is um, I'm 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 a believer in much of uh, the uh, the acclaims of Eeyore Bach, the Bach saga, 
Uh, and uh, according to the etymology of the word Tor in the box saga is that it's uh, basically cognate with Thor because it means your power. Right. It's it, it, and it, it, it was uh, the story was explaining it in a personal sense of your power, your Tor. Um, this is Tor. This is Thor and Thor. He uh, it, he's um, he's got depending on the version of the story, he's got rams or goats pulling his chariot. And um, the world is on the back of what? A turtle. Nice. Just like James. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. Um, Tortles yeah, are all the way it. down. All the way down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was looking at that. Uh, um, do you guys know anything about those? The um, Since you know the I Ching, um, isn't there a turtle I Ching that, um, oh gosh, it's the same thing as a grimoire, a numbered grimoire that I was just looking at on on this grimoire Instagram um, that talks about all the, uh, the the way the order of the universe is, and it's in the shape of a turtle. Yes. There's a myth about a turtle that uh, came out of the river with something like a magic square or, you know, almost like the satyr square encoded onto the shell. Uh, I'll start looking it up. Let me see if I can get a, a link on that one. That was a that's a cool story. Yeah, I don't uh, know something, anything about that. You know, something that is, um, I guess, because it's too weird for like the media uh, uh, entertainment industry is that you know in Stephen King's It, um, It is uh, there's only has only one natural predator in all of the cosmos, and that predator is um i think it's literally the the turtle that the world is on the back of or something like that um or or it's 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 a cosmic turtle uh that's very important to like the whole of the cosmos it's kind of like a deity right and so it will eat uh the creature in its true form and it's it's the only thing that can truly destroy it yeah i remember that too yeah, I've never read the book, and uh, I don't know if I want to after hearing about the 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 one ritual scene. <laughs> In spite of that, it's a really good book. Exactly. That's the one thing they took out of the book that I agree with, <laughs> which is surprising considering it's Hollywood. So, Regan, you're in Alberta, right? Yeah. Isn't that the land of dinosaur bones? It is. Yeah. Yeah. You go to Drumheller and you can go to Drumheller and you can see the like the actual bones in the strata. And uh where I used to live uh near Dawson Creek, there's a little town called Tumbler Ridge, and they found a massive deposit of dinosaur bones um while they were digging a pipeline trench. And I actually know people who were there when they dug them up. So, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, isn't that interesting? My nephew does that. He's a, I don't, I don't know what his actual title is, but I guess he's a fossil hunter. And yeah, he pa- uh, has been involved in a few of those. Mm-hmm. Nah, he's a, he works for a company. Oh. Um, so they're like the guys that are 
entrepreneuring the dinosaur business stuff, which yeah, I don't know. It gets dicey because they were involved. I guess they knew the people that that got uh, Sue. Do you remember that whole thing? The guys that found Sue, the Tyrannosaurus skull in Montana. Mm-hmm. There was a whole big um, fight with that thing. This family found a, essentially a, I mean, it was pretty much a full Tyrannosaurus skull and, and body. You mean the head of a dragon? The head of it, well, yeah. It, That's dude, in, it, in Da Vinci's Demons that. season one. The Pope shows a T-Rex skull to Da Vinci, and he That's says, right. you want to examine the head of a dragon. Join the church, and you can. Right? He was yep. tempting him with the Vatican archives. It was a brilliant scene. That that series was, uh, it was amazing how much uh, they let hang out. I know. In that I can't series. believe they only let it run three seasons. That's what killed me. It's just like, you know, Da Vinci died an old man. Come on. There's a lot of crazy stuff you can tell us right now. <laughs> yeah, and it was incredibly uh, accurate. Like I was constantly fact checking the 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 you know oh, yeah. the, the series, and I'm like, damn, I didn't know that. Damn, I didn't know that. I highly recommend it. Oh it's, yeah, it's founded you, you in a get, lot of historical accuracy. You get a sense of how the Jesuit order operates through that. Um, that guy, uh, the, the, the guy who's like the handler for the Pope, uh, quintessential Jesuit. That's how I always imagined him. Yeah. 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 Picked him out of my imagination. Yeah. Cause like, like one of the things they didn't quite do that they should have done with the series is like, like, you know, it's basically about the church versus, um, uh, uh, Venice. Was it Venice? No, no. Which city, which city state of Italy was it? Venice? No, no. Florence. Florence, thank you. Yeah. And uh, um shit. Who was that guy who was like the his brother ran the theater? He become his bloodline or him become pope later on. Like it his you know, his family line gets into the papacy. Yes. Right? And he was like and he was practically like and he was like basically one of those pagans that was playing ball with the Christians because they didn't, you know, because Christianity was a good thing, but it's kind of a crime that we're also not allowed to have our arts and, and, and the things of where we came from before we, uh, we were Christians, right. You know, which treads a certain moral line. And, uh, I, I kind of like that because it's, it's kind of talking about, you know, our wrestle in, in, in our modern culture with, um, with how liberalism goes and, and, and what we always end up uh, snidely calling, you know, oh yeah, Babylon, right. You know, uh, uh, you know, we're doing it all over, over here. And I don't think that we're the, uh, the Christian streaming channel. I think we're, we're all on the heathen spectrum over here to a certain degree, but we're all biblically, um, we all found a place for the Bible at the same time, which is what's kind of cool and interesting because it's esoteric now. And, and that's a big part of who we all are. Uh, and, and, and also I, I had a thought on Medusa. Hold on that. Hold that thought. I yeah. gotta read something. I'm going to yeah. pull up this turtle story. Rachel found it. <laughs> it's only a couple paragraphs to go back to the turtles. Once upon a time, perhaps even an eon ago, In a land now become a myth, a young man sat in deep reverie beside a great river. 
Although this river no longer exists today, legend tells us that its descendant may well be the Great Yangtze River, which flows through the heart of the land now known as China. Our young man gazed upon the sinuous, soft waves as they lapped the shores by his feet, when all of a sudden a small turtle emerged from the great green mother load, and drawing itself proudly out of the water, sat down beside him to share his gentle contemplation. For some considerable time, neither party spoke, until finally our young man, evidently on the cusp of some great universal epiphany, exclaimed to the little turtle in a great and wondrous sigh, Ah, little one, what's it all about then? Rather to his surprise, the turtle revolved in a half circle and nonchalantly turned its back on the young man, whilst continuing to sun itself lazily and silently. The young man gazed intently at the little creature's back and the intricate interlocking patterns and plates of its shell, drawing in the spring sunshine. As he gazed, a strange thing began to occur to him. The more he looked, the more he understood the nature of his question. And so it was that he gave himself up to the moment and gazed with all his heart at the little turtle's back. Slowly, almost imperceptibly, everything began to evanesce and disappear. First the turtle, then the cosmos, and finally the young man himself. It is said that when the young man regained consciousness several hours later, the turtle was gone. Ever since that day, humanity has had a means of understanding every aspect within the universe. It was discovered in the interlacing patterns on a humble turtle's back, and in time it became arguably the most profound knowledge ever discovered by a human being. It became the I Ching. So yeah, that's the legendary story of the Chinese mythical Chinese emperor Fu Sui and encapsulating the I Ching origin, which is pretty amazing. That's a good one. Thanks for sharing that, Rachel. Nice. Is yeah, that the, thank you. Is that the low shoe turtle then? That was the. I think that's the low. The low. Uh, there is a turtle called the low shoe turtle that had a magical square on its back. I think that's the same story. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I, it it looks like the same thing in the uh, grimoire thing I was looking at. Okay. Nice. And I think I could be wrong about this, but I think turtle shells always have like a thirteen segments in the on the back, which is interesting. It's like two. Well, two nine. The reason, yeah. two nine four seven something. I can't remember. Yeah, the, the 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 turtle shell is uh, it's thirteen and twenty eight. Thirteen months, twenty eight days in a month. That's the significance and why the world is on the back of a turtle and we think of an animal instead of a torsion field. Nice. Yeah, and there's 28. Good one, Cheney. Thank you. I knew there was something more significant. So the turtle shell encodes the lunar year, oh. 13 lunar months with oh. yep. 28 days. There's 28 small plates around the edge and in the middle segments, there's 13. Yeah, Owen Benjamin likes to bring that one a lot when getting into the uh, metaphysical uh, uh, rants. That's cool. That makes me think of the word total and the word turtle. (laughs) The the total knowledge of all things encoded in the turtle shell. Mm. I like it. And, you know, one, one could even theoretically perceive that 
you know, like we're inside the shell and that's the whole bit with the firmament that it's the inside of the turtle shell. We're still on its back, but we're also, we're on its back, but we're in its shell. Right. Right. Um, right. That's interesting. Even, even Mercury's myth starts off uh, his first day. He seduces a turtle into his cave and then he turns her into the, the leer or the liar. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. And then you've got the uh, four elephants and the four elephants in uh, Vedic myths, this is uh, these are all just the cardinal directions, and the, yeah. the they are the spirits of the cardinal directions. The Norse have Nordri, Sudri, Austri, and Vestri, which is literally the old Norse cognates of north, south, east, and west. Literally right. means the exact same thing. And, uh, and, and now so we're, now we're it, doing and they are magical, emotional concepts: north, uh-huh. south, east, and west, and that's why they're dwarves. And now we got some Terry Pratchett on our hands. Yeah, yeah. Terry Pratchett had that whole thing going on. Uh-huh. I, I saw an animated, British animated movie of the Weird Sisters. It was pretty cool. It was kind of like watching like a Norn's adventure story. Nice. I loved it. Because like nice. each one of them, it's very subtle. And I'm guessing this is how Pratchett did it. But like uh, often the commentary from each of the witches, the eldest witch is kind of always noticing stuff that's already happened stuff that's in the past. The youngest, witch is always like noticing the patterns about how things are coming up in the future as looking at these, all these events in the, in the empire. Right. And then the witch in the middle, uh, uh, the, you know, the middle-aged woman, she's, you know, she's sitting there listening to the two of them bicker about the, 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 the way each one of them is seeing the situation and then coming to the balanced decision like a Libra. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's brilliant. It is, that is the essence of, of the Norns. That's like the Norns are like that. And, they, and, and this was in the 70s. Well, or about the Gabriel? Yeah, and that movie's called The Weird Sisters, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They How even they, they even have an accurate reference to Candlemancy. They made a joke because the, young, the youngest sister uh, 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 wanted to... Uh, light a candle for something and then the middle sister says all right but no funny business no black ones no red ones just white white candle right and in candlemancy white is just mere simple purity right so um all it does is healing and stabilizing effect right so it's always your safest magic candle so those are the three Moire, uh, and it's also the three wise men. Uh, and you say that's a Terry Pratchett, right? Yeah. Ter- Terry Pratchett, yeah. Is yeah the word. I've yeah. got a copy of that movie, actually. I have yeah, a yeah I think desktop. it's a part of the Ring World uh, universe or something. Like, it's a whole franchise of books. Nice. You know, I did a dig on the Moire a while back, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up again, but... What, uh, so you got the past, present, future. You know, the future is weaving, ever-changing. Mm-hmm. The past is fixed. The present... Uh, no, the past is cardinal. The present is fixed. Excuse me. So those are the three three signs of the zodiac, or the three crosses. Cardinal, fixed, mutable, cardinal, fixed, mutable, over and over and over. But something that was really interesting was the middle sister... Their name is different in different cultures, but I believe in Roman, the middle sister is Lachesis. 
And this is something I haven't flushed out all the way yet, but lachesis is often depicted with a globe and a scroll, which is round earth, flat earth, three-dimensional reality, two-dimensional reality. And what blows my mind is the moral relativity of legislation. Legislators are crafting fiction by the flying by the seat of their pants with no regard of the of the past or the, or the future. Uh, they're only worried about the present moment. Uh, and I find that very interesting that Lachesis, with her scroll and globe, scroll and sphere, um, she is encoded in the word legislation. And it also makes me think of that uh, the skull and bones order called uh, pen and scroll. Somebody help me out. Quill and scroll. Quill and scroll. Mm-hmm. That also comes to mind. Uh, but yeah, they have different names in different cultures, but it's always the same kind of dynamic. And then they become men when they Roman culture comes around. They make them the three wise men. Right. Hmm. Hey, Regan. Yeah. In Canada. So Gabe and I learned something today that uh, even if you weren't, you didn't put into or you didn't take the stimulus up there and uh, they will still come after you for the balance of whether you used it or not. Like they'll tax you on it. They're taxing the stimulus. Oh, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't do business with them at all. Um, I <laughs> never asked. I never asked for the stimulus. I never applied for it in any way, shape, right. or form. And no one's talked to me about it at all. Yeah. So we we know have a associate who uh, who didn't take it either, and they're coming after him for the for the taxes on it. Isn't that correct? Gabe, is that how you read it? Yeah, man. They're, Something they're, to that effect. They're putting the call out to, uh, that if if you got the if you got the checks, now you got to pay them. And the timing on that is so insidious. Oh it's, yeah, they had said that. They had said if you would take the checks, that there was no tax taken off of it, and they were going to come after you for tax later. That was openly stated right at the beginning. But like in my case, I don't file my taxes. Uh, they they take my tax money under protest and duress, and I make that very clear. Um, and that's actually a point that Joshua brought up earlier that I wanted to touch back on is like the government has set themselves up in the position of God to where they take the first fruits. Like you don't even get to see it. It right. comes off your check. You don't have a choice. It's gone. Right. And so there's a lot of people that, you know, especially in the church that they tithe money off of what they, their take home is but they're actually, that's giving to God second. And it's secondary. That is such yeah. a good point, Regan. Also giving money to the church isn't really giving to God. In my opinion, humbly, it's given to a corporation still. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Because all the churches have filed their paperwork with the government to be tax-free. Right. And therefore, once they registered themselves to the government, they became a government church. Right, agents of the yeah. government. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, there's no, there's no uh, accident that Salt Lake runs the uh, west of the Mississippi taxes, and they own all the genealogy. 
Yeah, the only Your honest church would be one. The only honest church would be one that actually pays taxes. You know, it's because uh, they would be separating themselves from the state as far as that would be a paradox too, though, because they're pay- yeah. then they would be paying the murderous war machine, which doesn't seem very Christian. It's so crazy to think about. Yeah. Well, it's, like, it's just like Jesus said, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, right? And then he held up a coin. I think what he means by that, at least my interpretation of that verse, is actually render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, as in citizenship, your persona, the fiction. Well, first There's he a holds way up of a interpreting coin. the New Testament. I mean, one of many ways that is a useful way. I think that you should never stop at one interpretation, but that what that means if you want to take it as anything other than some sort of uh, imperial insertion into the scripture to justify people's slavery, then it would mean to give back the fiction, the persona, and thus you relinquish the goods and services that are associated with that, but also the obligations to give your pound of flesh, if you will. Yeah, my interpretation of that is because he holds mm-hmm. up a coin first and asks whose picture is on it. Um, it's not to like give your taxes to the government. It's give all of it back. Just like you were saying, you, it's you're like, okay, well, we're not using your money. We're going to do our own thing. You know, and we're going to f- free ourselves from that system because so much is done in the name of acquiring money and so much mm-hmm. that's dishonest and awful. I mean, yeah. what, you know, the, the love of money is the root of all evil. That's pretty true. You know, when it comes down to it, people will do all sorts of things that they wouldn't do for money just to acquire it. It's inc- Yeah, it's amazing. This is a great topic. So, you know, it, he was looking at one side of the coin, the public facing side, the front of the coin, the top of the coin has the face on it. The back side of the coin, that's private. That's the yeah. other side. And if you take your social security card and you read the back of it, it actually says, this is the property of the United States Department of Treasury, whatever. Yeah. Then the next line, it says, if you find this card and it does not belong to you, they just said it belongs to them then return it to the United States Department of Treasury. Right. That means they're telling you this is not yours, this is ours. And the next mm-hmm. thing they are saying is render on to Caesar. Give the card back to us. It belongs yeah. to us. It yeah, is not exactly. yours. So everybody who reads the back of their own Social Security card should be saying, oh, this doesn't belong to me, and send it in and return it. Yeah. And if you look on the, in the fine print along the edges, you know, like here in Canada, it says that your, uh, social or your social insurance number or, uh-huh. or the SIN as they call it here, uh, that's issued by the human resources department of Canada. Okay. So it's literally, it's proof right there that you are an employee of the corporation. And then if you look on your birth certificate, it says it was printed by the banknote company of Canada, which if I was to hold up, uh, a bill like Zerliath is, you can uh-huh. see that that was also printed by the Banknote Company of Canada. Right. Mm-hmm. That, by the way, is a silver certificate, not a Federal Reserve note. It is not debt. Nice. Remember, right. 1928. 28. Wow. Wow. 
I remember seeing those. Yeah, I've got one of They're those as well. Different size too. Mine's only for twenty five cents. <laughs> hmm. So that's like five years before uh, thirty three with Rose with uh, FDR. That's cool, man. And, and it's got the word America on there. It actually says of America. That was neat. The can you hold that back up, Zeroless? The nice. Made it big. Thank you. Wow. It looks pretty similar. Mm-hmm. It may not focus yeah, well. on the camera, but 1928 is under the word one. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah. So yeah, the similarity the was the bait and switch. Yeah. So what does it say at the top right. above the United Says States of America? Silver certificate. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, so it doesn't say anything about oh. a Federal Reserve. That's cool. No, no, nothing at all. In, and, in fact, uh, no in fact, weird sigils on the okay. back. There's fine print in between silver certificate in United States of America. It reads Whoa. this certificate that there has been deposited in the treasury, the United States of America invokes the treasury department. <clears throat> wow. That is so cool. Is it larger is, is, or is it the same size dimensionally? Um, it's about the same size dimensionally, but okay. the craftsmanship on it is completely different. Yeah. Like, like, look at this kind of like you got like the, it looks like it's got the Boaz and Yakum tower oh. kind of situation going on there. Oh, no and it seems like, it, and it's like there's a, yeah, there's a Vesica Pisces mirror looking portal thing. And that's where the one is. So it's got a portal on it. And in the middle, really. Uh, and a foundational seal right there. Wow. Um, but it does <laughs> yeah. not have. Welcome back. I'm pretty, sh- I'm pretty sure. Thank you. Because the background is really, really simple. It, it's 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 elaborate. Like it's using like, I mean, like, I mean, like that's like laser precision in 1928. It's that kind of drawing still. But there's no owl hiding in the corner anywhere. Hmm. I mean, and, and the Federal Reserve's a thing in 1928, right? But this was still printed despite there being a Federal Reserve. Right. Yeah. Hey, you go right back. I'm going to switch gears. Yeah. You go ahead, Reagan. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I was going to say there's a great documentary. Uh, I think it's still on YouTube called The Secret of Oz, where it talks about Frank L. Baum's uh, involvement in the silver movement of 1872. And how the whole story of the Wizard of Oz is actually an allegory about staying on the yellow brick road, staying on the golden road, right? And not giving in to these, you know, distractions. And he, he goes, he gets into it really deep, but then he goes into the history as well of the financial crashes. And a lot of people like look back to the thirties because that was the one that our grandparents lived through. And, you know, we, we knew people that did, that had to go through that firsthand, but the first big gold grab in the States, as far as I can remember from that movie or that documentary was actually in 1872. And really? that was where, that was where it all kicked off. And it's, it's called the secret of Oz. I highly recommend that everyone nice. who's watching should check it out. And I, and I'll point out, uh, there's, it's got that balloon. They got, they're riding up in the bad balloon. Yeah. And even the name Oz, Oz is an abbreviation for ounce. 
And wasn't in the book yeah. it, it was silver yeah. slivers slippers? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, silver, way yeah. more obvious symbolism to what you're talking about than yeah. maybe. That yeah, seems because, like quite a bait and switch. Yeah, because the silver lion. slippers the silver slippers kept her on the yellow brick road, right? Because she had actual currency. Yeah, she was the she could what she had she walked with the silver shoes on the golden road. Yeah. And the 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 cowardly lion represented uh Andrew Jenning Ryan was his yeah. name. He he was called the lion of the house. Right. Yeah. He was a pol- he was a politician that was well loved by the silver movement. Um, you know, he was he was very much that kind of an ec- uh, economic guy, uh, one of the early like Ron Pauls, uh, if you will. Um, and 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 the uh, scarecrow represented uh, uh, the, the the farming, uh, the farmer's economy, the tin yeah. man, the industrial economy. Yeah, the tin man re- represented the Rockefellers. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. remember, every time he couldn't move, he needed a little bit of oil, right? Oil up mm-hmm. my joints, and then I can then I can be useful. <laughs> yep, yep. So Thanks, I wanted too. to uh, hop over to Josh now that he's back, and see if he had any ram symbolism he wanted to take us through at the end here. Yeah, um, I had some links prepared that I sent to you, and I think Regan as well. Um, and of course, we don't have to go through all of it, but I just wanted to hit some themes, some of which we've already some of it discussed. Do you want it screen shared? Um, well, I sent them to you, so it might be more um, efficient bandwidth wise if you. Yeah, I can do that. I just didn't know if you needed to, if it was sure, necessary, or if it. you I would mean, just be able to go to over it. it. It's just that it might lag spike or something. Well, I was going to go over, like, I'll have it on my screen and then I can read it from here. Okay. Uh, but you can also present it to folks with your screen if you like. Um, so there's the first one is gnosticwarrior.com slash ram. Uh, and I'll drop these in the chat. I can do that. I have the chat open here. And I'm really sorry, folks. I tried my best to listen. <laughs> but I had a, a client call it a crisis and it was a uh, rather intense. So I had to de-escalate. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you're back. So anyway, um, yeah, thanks. It was just so awkward because I had you guys in my ears and then they were so loud on the phone. I didn't have to take them <laughs> off. <laughs> but it's hard to have two conversations at the same time. Um, yeah. Although I much preferred this one. So, um, okay. So this starts off with the Phoenician God. Uh, Hermes was often represented in ancient art carrying a ram. Zeus, the greatest of all Greek gods, had once exhibited himself to Hercules clad in the fleece and wearing the head of a ram. Um, The Hindu version of the ram is Brahman. um, And ram comes up a lot, uh, like with Brahma, for instance. And uh, uh, I was going to also mention that kind of they're all oxen, the ram and the ox. They're, they're kind of all under that classification of oxen. So they're kind of interchangeable, sacrificial animals, I've noticed. Um, and, of course, bulls are like the decrees of the Most High. Um, so I've always found that interesting because the ram is like more like the thought, the divine thought. And then the divine speech comes with the with the bull. So, you know... Uh, 
first the blueprints are conceived in the mind and then the orders are given with the mouth, right, to carry out the, the work. So, I don't know, you were talking about the Diction of Aries earlier and how it kind of flowed. So, um, even with Genesis, uh, there was just the deep, right? And then the, the Spirit of God moved over to the waters and created the lights and then also the um, mound of earth the first mound of earth is like the pyramid so when we see the pyramid symbolism it, that's literally what it's uh, representing is that first mound of earth um, and that's where the lamb was slain right and so uh, the gist is that we've been created from the blood-soaked earth of that altar and but we were thought of first and then this first act of sacrifice in silence because it's pre-Taurus, right? So this solemn sacrifice of the lamb takes place, the first fruits, and then that's like even have it in the word mourning being uh um, like yeah. phonetically the same as being in mourning, like grief. Mourning the sun. Yeah. Which really brings a good point uh because the way I kind of view time is like it's all cycles. Every second is a cycle, every minute, every hour, every day, every week, so on and so forth. And the way we measure time is just a collection of these uh, cycles. So astrology, as it were, is uh, really the study of patterns, like Kaylee said. So, you know, I think that when we trace that back far enough, there would be this origin day, day zero of year zero. <laughs> where uh, it was just the deep, right? And so when you go to the zodiacal wheel, um, there's that act of creation, but then it goes through uh, the, the aquarium, pours out the waters, then the fishes are in the waters. So technically the fishes might have been uh, a predecessor of some sort, but different kingdom, right? So anyway, the, the ram became like the prototype for the human in a sense, um, and in the Egyptian stories that really do focus on this mound of earth, uh, there's a ram entity known as Kanum, I think, that fashions humans on the potter's wheel. And you find, oh, yeah. that, symbol, you find that symbolism a lot in the Bible where he, it says that our creator fashions us uh, as clay vessels. Yep, so that's your Hari Krishna, it, who's a Harry Potter. <laughs> so if you think about it it really does jive well with the uh, thought that we were created from the earth and altar but we had that see and, and aries is fire but not so much fire as the element but more spirit because with the pisces it's liquidy water but then it's really the red blood of the lamb in terms of fire so it's like spiritual fire so um a little the further into thalamus, the higher mind yeah, the central eye. And the one we're supposed to have is a single eye in our body, right? As it talks about in Matthew six twenty two. So as we get further into this little mini uh, weave here, um, we'll end up with the shin, which is emblematic of that spiritual fire. So I'd associate, you know, maybe Leo um, more with, you know, fire type uh, heat because it's in the middle of summer like that. But I think at this time, because it's um, representative of the time of sacrifice and a watery environment, I would say that's more Aries is really more blood um, and spirit 
in that regard. Anyway, sorry, I got off on a topic there, but the Freemasons here in this second paragraph says the Freemasons honor the symbol, the Ram and the name of their Masonic King known as high Ram, a Biff who's slain as well by the three deckhands of winter. Um, they use implements on him, a square, I think a, a ruler, a square, and uh, then the mall. And the mall is used to hit in the head. That's um, interesting because in Pisces is the triangulum. Oh, yeah, because of the two fish making a V, right? Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Uh, and it kind of looks like an awl, a mason's awl, the triangulum. Interesting. Uh, you mean like to, what's the all for? Like to make the square and compass symbol, you mean? Uh, I think it's called an all. It's the triangular shape that they use to slap on the uh, cement. The trowel. The trowel. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. The triangulum looks like a trowel. Thank you, Gordy. Right. Lay in the mortar. It does. Which the mortar they used for the Tower of Babel was pitch and tar, I think, by the way. So I was just right. imagining when Rachel was talking about that effigy right. of the Tower of Babel yes. burning. I couldn't help but think of that. And Hiram Mabith was murdered. They put mortar on with the trowel, and Hiram Mabith was murdered with implements of the Mason, the Masons. The working tools, yeah. Maybe, um, maybe those are the two towers. All jockeying and bow. Yeah, the V. No, well, that too, but the V mm-hmm. of Pisces. The way the fish make the V. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, by the way, after the three decades of winter, um, murder him, they bury him, uh, hear him, and they mark the grave with a sprig of acacia, which is an evergreen, and uh, it's discovered by Ares. Um, one of the laborers um, wow. and then he goes and gets the others and then they go and find them and they try to resurrect them. Um, but because he died with the word, nobody knew what the word was to say to reanimate him. So all they could do is resurrect his uh, skeleton. They couldn't like bring the spirit back. So, which is yeah. uh what again, Gabriel, <laughs> this is exactly the same story of, the fictional personhood. The skeleton yes. means a, fo- a form. Form. It's paperwork. Jack- it's 2D. It's the papacy. It's the papacy. Right. And it reminds me of Jack Parsons. That's in law, just to be clear. In law, skeleton means a form. Yep. And it reminds me of Jack Parsons, who died without closing up, without finishing the job. He died with the magic word. He's like, his last words were, I'm not done, or something very Hiram Abiff-esque. <laughs> and uh, like he's got forget, work left to do. Don't forget the PayPal bull, the Papa bull. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They claim the authority of the church, like um, when when Christ handed the keys to Peter, whose name means stone, Cepheus, um, which again another pineal reference, and he talks about the gates of hell not prevailing against his church. I think that's also kind of a reference to Hellenization, which would eventually dilute the teachings mm-hmm. to the point that 
uh, well, where we're at today, where a lot of people look at it with disdain. And it's like, oh, well, you know, it's not worthwhile. When in fact, it's a blueprint and template for like activating your pineal gland and freeing you from spiritual captivity. It's like one of the coolest things ever. And that's why they speak about it in parables. I can't remember what. I think it was the last uh, weave, actually. I had fallen asleep and I didn't wake up till the very end. And I like fell asleep. Ah. Some of the most interesting parts. I was like, man, I wish I could have commented on some of that stuff. But um, <laughs> yeah. But they had to speak in parables because, um, you know, they, they, as soon as you wake up, you're, you know, out of the matrix, so to speak, you become, a, you know, a threat to their um, kingdom, as it were, their kingdom of idiots. Uh, so you go around waking people up and I mean, they start sending the uh, hunters after you, as it were. Um, and then the killing of the beautiful is this trend we see. We see it with Balder, uh, with Christ. Um, kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier in the chat uh, of Interverse or Spiders about the mirror, mirror on the wall uh, kind of symbolism, too. And the uh, Judas goat versus the sacrificial lamb. Um, we got, you know, the first month in Nissan with the sacrificial beautiful lamb, spotless no blemishes, etc. And then in Judgment Day, you deal with your Yom Kippur scapegoat ritual, which has the red yarn in the horns, kind of like similar to that um, red rope out the window we were talking about earlier. Nice. But it's the bloodline, quite literally, like the red carpet yes. kind of symbolism. Um, you see some of the folks in Hollywood wear the red bracelets too. Uh, which sometimes is capitalistic, but it's really trying to talk about um, spiritual salvation. Like they're just trying to activate the pineal gland, I think is what it really is. Um, I have a few notes here. I wanted to hit two before I lost them, but um, we were talking about lions a minute ago with uh, Oz. So I just wanted to mention that Aries, A-R-I is lion. So Ariel, um, which is a, princess from the sea kingdoms. Uh, but anyway, Ariel means uh, lion of God. And so I was wondering what Aries meant. So you got the difference between ES. Well, S is the fire, the spirit. Well, the shin, which we'll be talking about. Okay, cool. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> but uh, that's how we get our lion lamb symbolism there, which a lot of folks talk about that. Uh, Mandela supposed Mandela effect that comes from uh, Isaiah 11. Mm -hmm. It's actually the lamb lane with the wolf, not with the lion. But I think we get confused with that because of the airy um, meaning lion. So the lion of Judah that opens the seals, well, it's that sacrifice of the lamb's blood. It opens the seals, thus the pineal. And this really highlights the Aries component of the Masonic uh, story too, because when they do raise the skeleton, which is also Saturnian, it's form without flesh, without spirit. Um, it, the lion's grip is what they use to resurrect uh, to the point that they do. So again, the Aries lion grip, um, Aries discovers them, et cetera. And that's again, your span of time from Passover, which is lamb to mm -hmm. Pentecost, which is lion. And then to Virgin, which is Virgo, the Tishri, Judgment Day. So when you see that famous picture of the maiden 
walking with the lion and a lamb is springing ahead of them. Like uh, Reagan was talking about the lamb springing around. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's really the, we, we got to really pay attention to artwork. Animals uh, represent like countries. They represent bloodlines, um, packed with symbolism. Sorry, I have a habit of getting off track, but uh, this, did I share this link? <laughs> Sometimes I get kind of carried away. Are you talking about the Gnostic Warrior one? You did share that. Um, but Joshua, I have it. Anyway, uh, there was a few parts in there that I think people should look at. It's a pretty interesting website. Go ahead. I had a question about uh, that whole lion and lamb thing. I remember it being confusing too, and then remembering it was a, lion, a wolf and a lamb. And, it, mm-hmm. and I remember people using that as an argument for the Mandela effect. Yeah. What's interesting is there's a, that is considered a symbol of peace, a lion and a lamb together, even though that's apparently not what the Bible ever said. Uh, there's a peace garden at a park next to my house. And they're, they're like, these sculptures that have engravings of different peaceful symbols and, and words for peace on earth in different languages. Mm-hmm. And there's a big carving of a lion with a lamb. And when I first saw that, I was like Mandela effect residue, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it necessarily well, means that. The full verse does mention a lion later, but the context is separated by some other stuff that's said in the verse. And plus, so, like, when do lions really hunt for lambs anyway? Wolves do. It makes more sense for it to be a wolf. That's right. But also, it's kind of funny that wolves are mentioned there at all because there's not that many wolves in the Middle East. So one would logically think. And um, there's been a lot of people in uh, that have taken poetic license in music and things that has been more popular than the Bible verses themselves. And people will remember uh, the way a musician cited um, segments of a Bible verse as a, a, a expression of something going on, mm-hmm. you know, you know, one, one thing that I'd like to throw into the mix here, just, just some elemental aspects. The lion is golden, gold. It's mm. got that sun aspect. Like the lamb things. is more, is more white and pure, uh, more love that moon aspect. Um, it's also close to Pisces, which is the moon card. But something that I'm hearing, and it's just ringing in my ears, is we've, <laughs> we've inverted or the Mandela effect, allegedly. It's converted the ram, which is the lamb, the sheep, the ram, and the wolf. They've been swapped. They've been counterfeited. They've been something. There's some bamboozle going on here. Well, wolf, ram is an element it's what wolfram is uh number 74 it is oh i used to know number I 74 too it's tons 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 it's w right the tongue stone is wolfram and the wolf and the lamb have been switched in this counterfeiting of which you heard first the wolf which came first, the wolf or the or the ram? And what's really neat about that is tungsten is used to counterfeit gold and silver bars historically. Huh. It's very heavy. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's used for filaments and light bulbs because it's got such great mass. Right. Have you heard of Wolfram Alpha? Everybody? That's a math website. Yes. Yeah, they are a computational knowledge engine that does research on things like, you know, looking at your likes on Facebook and then telling you what you're going to be when you grow up or what you're going to have for dinner on Tuesday. Just looking at all these separate data points and then using computer modeling to make predictions about human behavior through it with big data. Wolfram Alpha is what it's called. And what's the symbol of the wolf covered in lambskin? Is the Fabian Society? Yeah, man, and that's the Antichrist. Your idle shepherds, as it talks about in uh, Matthew ten, thirteen, and twenty. That's a juicy week. All right, I gotta show you the logo for Wolfram Alpha because it's a fucking upside down pentagram. All right, just Shut real quick. Door. Oh my god! Yeah, here it is. This is uh, see in the middle here. Here's the uh, five pointed star upside down, and then around it, there's more points. But like right there in the middle. Uh, there's your pentagram, uh, inverted pentagram. Right. And uh, but also like the inverted pentagram is the natural face of a ram and natural face of, 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 of a wolf when the wolf has his um, ears up and uh, his cheeks are puffing out. Yeah. yeah. External points. There's 10. So, you know, I was just stay 10. I was, I was just going to point that out about the the five-pointed face being the natural face of a wolf as well, because my dog is a quarter wolf. Awesome. And uh, he's got that same configuration to his face. Nice. Yeah. Also, and, and, yeah, the jowls, the, the fur that sticks out of the... Yeah. What would you call their, their little mane? I love that. Yeah, so cool. it's like a mane. It's so yeah, thick yeah. around there. So yeah. Wolfram is signified by the W, which is reduces, in ordinal reduced, is a That's five. That's and your online data is the double of you. The double of you, your your second self, going tying into Ophiuchus on my Diction of Aries, big time. And the Shem, Joshua, the Shem, the teeth, <laughs> right? The teeth are used in the brisk yep. ritual. Uh, and in the, uh, we're still in Taurus here because the, uh, in Aleister Crowley's deck, the Thoth deck, the Shem is depicted underneath the Aeon card, which is in Taurus. And the Shem, on the each end of the Shem, on the Aeon card, there's a baby. And it's definitely talking about biting the tips of the dicks off of babies in initiation, which is just crazy. Um, you know, also, if you flip the Aries symbol do upside down, links on the, the Aries symbol upside down does actually kind of look Go like ahead, a W. Sir. Totally, totally. Yeah, I never noticed that before. It, well, it makes sense because that when the year comes around to that point, you could look at it almost like a mitosis. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, like if it's upside down, another way that it can be seen, because if you're taking the literal form, the way that it cups and spikes in, I mean, you're talking about being flaccid versus being erect. Yeah. This is interesting. This is a really interesting leaf. Um, also. Well, I just I want to just throw it out that we talked pardon, about. The I was just going to add that. OK, well, the Moire is uh, past, present, and future. Uh, the future being the youngest of the three, 
And now we're talking about babies initiation, the beginning of the year. Uh, this is a really good weave. Go ahead, Joshua. I'm sorry. It's fine. Was there a delay or was I just interrupting? Couldn't tell. I think you might be a little, a little delayed. Yeah, I think you have a delay. Okay. Pardon me. Uh, so um, there were some things in the chat that I wanted to address real quick. Uh, Mario was asking about the emperor card corresponding with Aries and sulfur. Um, if I had any thoughts on sulfur and the biblical and alchemical significance. So, yeah, we often see that sulfur is associated with judgment, um, such as raining sulfur down on Sodom and Gomorrah. So um, the topic of judgment came up a lot this week in chat. So um, and like when Jonah went to Nineveh, maybe the same thing would have happened to Nineveh had he not done that. But because they did repent when he, he preached repentance to them, they were spared, even though the city was destroyed later. But in Sodom and Gomorrah's case, the city was so wicked that it, it was that like Sabbatean uh, Frankist kind of thing. You know, imagine if there was a cult in those cities trying to bring that wrath on purpose for some reason. You know, that's kind of what we're dealing with today yes. <laughs> on a worldwide scale almost. But yes. in that case, Lot and Abraham were spared. And it's because God's spirit, he, he won't destroy his own. And that's what saves the vessels is having God's spirit in them, right? So he would harvest them out and then take them into the wilderness. So our rapture motif kind of springs up from examples like that. And it kind of compounds and repeats and repeats. And I remember hearing, I think on that last weave, um, maybe it was Zara that commented about how Rome was being written, uh, excuse me, revelations was being written about Rome. Um, John was writing it about how it was fulfilled then. But I think it's, I think it's going to be repeated again, just like these cycles. But anyway, back to the sulfur. So I think sulfur is associated with judgment and the epiphany that you you helped me come to Gabe and a few others, I think uh, was that, um, whenever I watched the noon blue apples movie, the guy, she finally, she goes down through this rabbit hole of awakening, right? Like we all have. And uh-huh. she finally gets to meet this dude that is allegedly part of the Illuminati or whatever, the gatekeepers, the shepherds. And, you know, he just kind of laughs at her, but he does say something because she jokes with him about Paul and Cartney, whether or not he's alive. Like that was the one question she asked. Uh-huh. And uh, he's like, well, God is an acronym. And I th- thought, wait a second. And yeah, buddy. Came, we came to that conclusion that it was the yeah, alchemical uh, sulfur, mercury, and um, salt. Salt, mercury, and sulfur. Can you see was this? Like the triune of, yeah, like basically that top. G? Top loop. O? Yeah. D. The salt. Uh, G O D. Yeah. Huh. Exactly. <laughs> It's just like the nuclear family. You got it. And what what card number is that child? A reborn child within, right? And what card is number four? Delta. I'm not certain. Which one was it? Emperor card. Delta. Emperor card is delta. That's the D, which is the sign for sulfur. Absolutely. And in my territories, well, the angel, the right. Oh, go ahead. Well, in the territories. That emperor card is sitting on San Francisco in California. 
where they're much like Sodom. Mm, City of Angels. Much like Sodom, there's a whole lot of backdoor action going on. Sin City. Uh, (laughs) Hey, um, uh, while on the topic Um, of the stories this way, if anybody's interested, um, I, you know, I got a, uh, I got this cool theory about the black sun. If anybody wants to know it. Hey, can I link the video from your YouTube channel on that? Yeah. Yeah. If you want to just do that, I don't have to, uh, I have bad. Yeah. I, re- I just realized that, uh, <laughs> what time it was. <laughs> like I was just so into this and right, right, usually right. we wrap up at about it's two like, hours. It was just such and... a wild sync that you guys start bringing up Medusa and I'd uh-huh. made a video earlier today about it and I hadn't even heard your message yet, Josh. So I had no idea I was going live. <laughs> oh, sweet. Yeah, we were talking yeah, about let me chat. Pull this up right here. Our message. Oh, oh we, we just lost chance. chance. Hey, guys. We can do whatever we want now. The teacher's out of the room. The mice will oh, it just totally, is. I never use the button on my mouse to actually back out of pages unless it's on accident because I forget that it's there until I accidentally hit it. So I'll post uh, your video here and in our call in line. And it's about, looks like about 12 minutes. But we got to wrap this up so that there's room for the flow state over on weaving spiders welcome maybe you can join us there too and tell us that while we're working on our art and stuff so for anybody that is new around here or just hasn't heard on wednesday nights after vibrant on the weaving spiders welcome youtube channel which you can find linked in the show notes for this episode in the description or just type in weaving spiders welcome we kick off a live stream right after this with the crew over there where we read each other books and talk about this type of thing and whatever this type of thing is <laughs> while we're all working on art and putting our cameras on the art. It's a lot of fun. And uh, we're going to have to go for now though. Thanks for another great vibrant, everybody. It was great to see the lively chat going on and we will do it again next Wednesday, 8 PM. See you all there. And before we wrap up, if you guys have any like final things you want to toss out, briefly or let people know where they can find your work individually. Let's go around the horn clockwise, starting with Gabriel. Cool. Uh, yeah. Slick dissident on YouTube. That's my jam. Uh, I'm just dusting off the old uh, dry erase board today and starting to put out some fresh material. Uh, so yeah, come check me out. And I'm also on the weaving spiders regularly and you know, I'm here. Joshua, let's hear about what you do. We don't, have, we haven't heard anything about your plugs. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, I meant to give your plugs at the beginning. Well, I actually have been doing um, a show with a friend from Montana for, oh, I think maybe a year or two at this point. Um, it's called the Solomon Report, and. Um, my friend convinced me to start doing shows with people uh, or something like that. Cause she's like, you have all this stuff to say is why don't you do a video YouTube videos or something. So like, well, you know, I didn't, I don't have a high end computer or any of the software to do it myself. So I was like looking for people to maybe join and I found her and uh, I can share the channel here in the chat. I don't have a whole lot of my own content. A lot of it's like a playlist I've done with her biblical prophecy and things like that. Um, news current 
different events, things of that nature. We like to read the Psalms and uh, observe like the planets, especially over Jerusalem. Uh, look at volcanoes, things of that nature. But anyway, I dropped the link there and you can look for a um, playlist of the Solomon report there. Our YouTube channel got wiped out. So we're slowly rebuilding the um, episodes. So we only have a small number of them, but the aim is to try and upload maybe an old episode each week. In addition to the new ones we typically do on the Sabbath, like Friday or Saturday. Um, And we've done some episodes with Gary Wayne. So if you go to the Genesis six conspiracy.com, you can find his book on there. He's from Canada. Uh, we've done a few mm-hmm. episodes with him as well, covering things like fairies, Bigfoot, uh, you know, uh, um, the dragon, Messiah, prophecies, giants, things of that nature. Um, Sounds fun. Yeah. Gary Wayne's um, pretty interesting, I've dude. Finally made it. Yeah. I finally made a YouTube channel and StreamYard and all that stuff. So I might try to put out my own content soon, but it'll probably be more like screen sharing and voice. I don't really do so much video but uh you can find me in the telegram of course and if you want <laughs> me together <laughs> very cool um i got oh could i mention one more thing on. about the sulfur oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah get it <laughs> so uh one last thing i forgot to mention was it just so happens i also have sulfur water here at my house it's that well of water i have is sulfur oh, water. so i've yeah. always felt like it had an alchemical um effect you know probably has something to do with my ears ringing or something who knows <laughs> but anyway that was the thing i forgot to mention earlier Gordy, cool. you had your magnet, the iron rich. I, I want to say magnetic. thanks, Joshua. You've been great. Uh, I love yeah, having thanks, you on Josh. here. Call in sometime in the future vibrant. We do these every week. I would love to. Thank you for being patient with me. I'm so, I rarely get crisis calls and it just happened to happen. Man, it was such terrible timing. So I still don't know the outcome. So I might have to follow up after this. But thank you for bearing with me. Right on. What you got, Gordy? Well, I keep finding these things. And uh, <laughs> so I'm pairing them up as, a, as I go. So here's my, my haul so far. Nice. Um, some of these are spoken for already. So if you, if you want some. That's a nice shot. Some of them are. Are, uh, is it cool? Does it look cool like that? Heck like, yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, wait, here. Here, let's do a do a, uh, a zoom in like a... <laughs> wait, do, the, do it again. Do it again. <laughs> I mean, you <laughs> want to see it. We need to see oh, no. your balls full screen. Okay. Ah. Here we go. Yeah, if he drops the camera, we may get our wish. <laughs> Freaking awesome! That reminds me of the. That reminds me of that story of the shepherd who discovered magnets, magnetism. It was his name was like Magna something. Hmm. Sorry to interrupt, but I just Magneto. We're talking about sheep, Magneto, sheep yeah. herds. <laughs> oh, and a shepherd found the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls too. Supposedly, 
Yeah. They got yeah. a lot of spare um, time on their hands, apparently. Yeah. Anyway, find find my um <laughs> my uh, Instagram too. I got baby owls. Now the owl cam finally started working, but it's not streaming. So I'm gonna have so go to the Gordy Two Shoes YouTube channel and start uh loading baby owl photo uh videos up there probably fairly soon i'll have to go through them now that uh so gwen is the mom she fed them five times last night and each time she's coming in with like a big rat i didn't get a good shot the first night after i get getting it going but uh five rats in in one night is uh makes for very fat babies that's awesome Keep checking back. I'll be putting stuff up all the time. Word. Woo-hoo. All right, Sarah Last, where can people <laughs> find you, my man? <laughs> all right. Well, my uh, my name is extraordinarily unique, so it's pretty much picked up across <laughs> all the social medias, YouTube being the uh the, the, the major preference. So youtube.com forward slash Zerolath, Zerolath Divinations on uh, Facebook, uh, Zerolath Divination Research on Discord, um, and, uh, you know, Twitter, MeWe, Minds. Um, I'm all over the place, Gab. Right on. Thanks for joining Hello. us, man. Enjoyed your insights. It's been quite yeah. a fiery episode. What's up, Gordy? Yeah, got thanks, got something? Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, one more thing. Can I plug the conspiratorium? Please. Yeah. I like, should link it in the chat. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, it's, don't it's apologize so for being so awesome. Dude, it's, it's really fun. And I really appreciate everybody that, that comes to that on Monday nights, Monday nights at seven, seven Pacific. I do. Um, we do one chapter of the mystic Bible and it's a freaking blast. And um, if you're, if you were in that group on Monday, you're going to get a, it's a telegram a group of Gordy. So if you are yes. in the interverse group and tag Gordy and like, where's this, you can find it or just ask about it mm-hmm. somewhere where we congregate, or maybe someone will drop a link in the chats here, but it's the, yeah, yeah it's a telegram group. Just to be clear, if you guys aren't on telegram, you're missing out on where all the community is at. Big time. And if you want to find it, it's called the mystic inheritance conspiratorium. There you go. Zerlath, I'm looking forward to your Black Sun Medusa video. That's Thank you. It's one of my driving videos, so you just got to deal with a little bit of the uh, me commenting on things as my mind wanders. I love it. <laughs> right there, man. That's yeah. totally how I roll, too. Mm-hmm. Cool. Oh, oh, is there one more little thing I can plug, too? Sure. Um, uh, I do a show on Monday nights on TFRlive.com, which is a uh, radio, uh, internet Truth radio. frequency state. radio. Yeah, that's right. I'm on there uh, Monday nights. The show's called Trigenesis. And my old friend, uh, uh, I just recorded. I'm doing a pre-recorded video, so I'll be hanging out in the chat room, or, or audio, rather, because it's radio, of uh, Dr. Sean David Morton. So I'm announcing uh, that all over the place uh, right now. Uh, Dr. Sean David Morton will be my guest uh, this Monday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Awesome. TFRlive.com. Awesome. And I see that Mario dropped the... Telegram group for Gordy's thingy. Oh, so, thank you, Mario. Or something. Maybe that's his personal telegram. <laughs> you might get flooded with <laughs> messages. But we got to go. We got to leave some room for the uh, flow state. 
which is probably about to kick off. So see you guys over on the Weaving Spiders. Welcome channel. Much love, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. And watch out for a banger interverse with me and Juan from One on One coming at you later this week. It's a really good one. All right. Much love, y'all. Bye-bye. Meow. Meow. Meow.